Hello all my lovely players, this is the Dominion League weekly podcast, a recap of this week in Dominion games. I am your host Strumpf and this is the episode for April 8th, 2022. This week's nail polish is called Hero and Ani, a Libby, the Dame Pixie, Dornado and a Sounder guested. Good job. I know it's been a hot minute since the last regular episode. I had a lot of fun recording that bachelor thing last week, but now it's back to business. The golden anniversary season has come and gone, and we are on to season 51. A division was kicked off by Mixinak, who found himself back in his home division after his zip six decided to take some time away from Dominion tournaments. Mick won his match against Sam E, who then tied against defending champion Cider 01, who then won against Janels, who then tied against Sigmatic. All of this leaves Mick and Cider in shared first position for now. In B1, Akuchi and season 50 C League champion Yurika Momo share the number one spot currently. I am very happy to report that Krabcat 2 has re-entered the competition. They're sharing the top spot of B2 with Aka 3. Lemon Spawn and Junt Grizz are the odd ones out in this division having no numbers in their names. Finally, in C1, we have a single point leader in the form of Dr. Steelhammer. In C2, Chorus won their match against Mort. Hannibal is leading C3 as of now. Shout out to Minion Pan, who has already played four of their five matches this season. And Shad is in the lead of C4. Season 50 E-League champion, the Mad BK, is leading D1 division at the moment. Shower is in number one of D2 after his first match. Alan Detellen is sort of leading D3 right now. And Ender 1 sits in number one of D4 with a clean 6 out of 6 in their first match of the season. Over in E tier, Kubu is leading E1 division. In E2, Two Duffman is in first position. Do you know who else is playing in E2? Me! Asuka Boy is the number one of E3 with 71% in four. Shout out to this fast player too. In E4, Azare sits at the top. Mazatov is in first position of E5 after one match. Af 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 is leading E7. And Alibi1152 and Scumpy are in shared first place of E8. No finished matches in E6 as of now. Time to shout out our CDE champs of season 50. Yurika Mama for C, Heth for D, and the Matt BK for E. Congratulations! And this brings us to the results, comments, shoutouts section. And I have some pretty dated ones. I don't know if I if I feature them. Um, so I don't even know when this was. So this ooh was from my birthday. I I hmm. I mean. 
maybe I... <laughs> but they're still here, so... Yeah. I'll just... I'll, I'll just give them anyway. So, um... Zyrex had some pretty good match descriptions and results comments last season. And this was one of them um, where they played their match against Trippy last season for C1. And the match description was the cat drugs emoji. And <laughs> for E1, so this was from March 8th <laughs> last season. Um, Empty Magus played 4-2 against FFF for E1. And Empty Magus said, don't gamble, kids. <laughs> Which I can wholeheartedly agree with. And then, let's see when this was from. March 17th. Wasn't there an episode? Wasn't that the wrap-up episode? Oh, but that was, yeah, that was 11 p.m. Anyway, so Bubluvat played 1-5 against Ketra for F3 last season. And they commented, outplayed on every street, but fun games. And so this is, this is from the new season. This is Assemble Me tying the first four games of his match against Gamesu. And he said, wishing well, why not wishing better? And finally, oh, this one, <laughs> this one was cute. That was from J14, JMCGNH, play 2-4 against November Man, and said, we've played before, three seasons ago. I mean, I'm always happy to get bonus information like that. So, the league season is two weeks old, and we've already got 10 members of the Significant Lead Club. Uh, I've already told you about Asuka Boy in E3. In E7, we have Keishu 8. And then we have Saltrosa in F5. We have Xenomorph in H4. Noise now 42 in H6, Fippen 94 in I3, Two Shooter in I10, Zonestral in J7, Naka in J16, and DWB in 85 in J18. Well done, everyone. Zonestral is, as of now, the only one with 80% or more, and they have 83% in three matches. So, big games and small games have been concluded since we last spoke. Ed Detector and the Pixie met in the grand finale of Big Game 7, where Ed took it away and crowned himself Big Games Champion. Congratulations! And the small games finale between Bintian 1 and Heterosedasticity took place tonight. A mere hour ago it feels like and my Bienchen won the thing i am so happy congrats to Bienchen, our new small games champion the medium games final will take place this weekend between kubu and kuni 86 86 86 86 good luck 
to both of you fabulous players. Okay, so Ally's release. I'm completely overwhelmed. Um, so I won my group, but also like with everything, like every tournament that seats by level. Yeah, I'm like, I know that it's very likely that I will advance from the group that I'm like sorted into, but yeah, the situation is at least for allies. It was, we had 16 groups. I was in the last group, which I won. And then in the round of 16, um, I was facing the winner of group one. Um, and I mean, scared, very scared panda. Um, but I, um, I won. So now I'm, um, in, in, in the quarterfinals and I am playing Akuchi and I'm very nervous. Um, I'm also excited, but I'm nervous, but I'll be on TV, which is fun. <laughs> So the other matches in the round of 16 are Topher 1588 v Earl and Minion Pound v Kubu. And then Mick already won his match. So he also advanced to quarterfinals. And then Moyo Ocho will play Uexodus. Chorus will play Opal Dawn. And Shower will play Jackdaw. And... Um, We'll see where it goes from there. Very exciting things are happening. Very exciting things. 24 players participated in the March tournament of German League. Germany, Jens, Snickers, 97 and Lo made playoffs where Lo and Snickers advanced to the finale. Snickers took the tournament win over Lo and Jens came in third place. Both of our finalists are now in the overall top five as well. We have Lu in number five, Nizala in four, Snickers in three, RTT in second place, and Chestic still holding out in first position. Negative and Chu Duffman clearing our positions for now. RTT climbed up to number two and Nizala lost one position since we last spoke. For my personal weekend games, I got a free promotion to E tier! It is quite nerve wracking, as you might imagine. I'm playing in the German and Pultier division. I have already played two matches against the Taco and Tufte, and I am quite content with my play. I'm apparently playing German League again too, because both the players I've just mentioned and two Duffman are playing German League as well. Since all of them play way more often and more successful than I, it's of course profitable for me, even if I lose the matches, because one win against any of them generates a lot of points for me. So my two wins against the taco alone let me advance to gold tier, where I am now. <laughs> yeah, we'll see how I fare against the Duff. Um, we're scheduled for Sunday night. Um, 
yeah, I don't know if I'll be able to play the whole match, but um, it'll be a start at least. And then against all odds, really, I tied my coven match against Furcole. And uh, one of those games was a counting house traveling fair that I won against a very neat engine that they had put together. Um, my next match in that tournament will be against Bitterworm Coil. So, yeah, nerves. <laughs> um, and yeah, I just today, mere hours ago, won my match against Warfred. What? What? Honestly, very unexpected. I'm very happy. And now for the preview. Tomorrow, Saturday, at 9 UTC, Apostolos Ruler will play Burning Skull for League B. And then Kubu will play Minion Pan at 13 UTC for Allies release. And Charo will play Jackdaw at 16 UTC for Allies release. And... Oh, the Medium Games finale is also tomorrow. I thought that was Sunday. Huh. So Kubu is going to play two matches in one day. Wow. So that's Kubu v Kuni 86-86-86 for the Medium Games finale at 17 UTC. And then Sunday at 12 UTC, Yurika Mama will play Apostolos Ruler for League B. Jackdaw will play Monkfish for League D at 13 UTC. Nizala will play AJL828 for League D at 16 UTC. Yuma will play Shanahan for League B at 1830 UTC. Mort will play Personman for C at 19 UTC. And Derpa will play Monk FSH for League D at 2330 UTC. Then... Monday, Spiraler will play Dr. Steel Hammer for League C at 17 UTC. And the Sunday after next, so that's April 17th, WJ11 will play Derpa for League D at 4 UTC. And Sharo will play Nizala for League D at 18 UTC. And... That's all for now. So, spec chat is where I'll share thoughts on any given piece of media I've consumed over the week that is strictly non-Dominion related. So, I have started reading a book called We Too, Essays on Sex Work and Survival. It's, um, like the name says, it's a collection of narrative essays written by sex workers. And it's rough, as you may imagine, but also very enriching. I'll write a proper review when I'm through, but I wanted to share two longer quotes from the foreword and the introduction with you here. So the foreword was written by Selena the Stripper, and she says... This book is about many things, making complex the otherwise essentialized sex worker narrative of quote-unquote happy hooker or quote-unquote trafficking victim, advocating for our rights as a diverse labor force, telling our stories, the happy and the traumatic, but it is also about community, 
the knowledge we pass down to protect the next generations. For a community that is constantly silenced and erased, spoken for and talked over, the gathering of so many voices here is powerful. We create a safer future by speaking and sharing. Too often, those of us who are advocating for the dignity and rights of sex workers are afraid to voice these less-than-positive experiences. We don't want to hurt the cause by talking about abuses, assaults, or rapes. We don't want to be pigeonholed into the role of victim, even if we are sometimes victimized. Often it feels like we are fighting for the minimum, to exist without persecution, criminalization, and stigma. But in this fight, there is room to demand more. Yes, I can say I was raped, but that doesn't give you license to take away the place where I work, the means by which I support myself, and my financial independence. Every worker has a voice, even those who have been trafficked. They can say what they want without paternalistic outsiders deciding what they need. We can speak, and it is time people listened. It is time for our perspectives to be treated as legitimate. It is time to include us in all that affects us. And so it is with great honor that I introduce this book, a collection of writings by hoes across the spectrum of sex industries. Their experiences are as diverse as they are. It is very rare to collect an anthology of writing like this about sex work authored by sex workers. So eat it up, take notes, share it with everyone you know, bring up passages over Thanksgiving dinner with your bigoted family. We're speaking and it's time to listen. So that's obviously what I'm doing now, sharing it with y'all. And then this quote, this is a longer one um, from the introduction by Natalie West. The umbrella term sex work encompasses a variety of acts, gigs, and professions with different levels of vulnerability to law enforcement and the criminal legal system. Escorts, hoes, dominatrices, dominatrices? And fetish professionals, people in the trade, massage parlor workers, porn performers, cam models, strippers, and others who trade in sex and sexuality for money. Many sex workers face the criminalization of their work. And because women of color face the criminalization of their bodies, sex workers of color live at a particularly violent intersection of these processes. As such, the sex workers' rights movement has sought to legitimize our work to the wider public, defend our choices, and fight for our right to make them, all as part of a battle for decriminalization. This fight makes it difficult to make a complaint, to allow the non-sex working public to see the problems within the sex industries, especially when that allowance may confirm what they thought they knew, when what they think they know comes from a culture that stigmatizes sex and criminalizes sex work. These differences between sex work and other forms of work render movements against workplace sexual harassment and violence particularly vexed terrains for sex workers. The public often considers abuse a natural outcome of sexualized labor, and because sex work is criminalized, sex workers have no access to workers' rights that might mitigate those abuses when they do occur. If you've encountered the movement for sex workers' rights, you've likely heard the refrain, sex work is real work. Without seeing sex work as work, sex workers cannot be seen as laboring subjects in need of rights, not rescue. This refrain reverberates throughout this collection. As sex workers, we know that sex work is work, and as such, this book makes space for us to speak openly about the harms we have experienced on the job, whatever the job might be. For our non-sex working readers, this may be a new experience. 
You will hear about labor rights violations, sexual assaults, and shit days with shit managers and shit clubs on shit porn sets. We ask that you resist the urge to use our stories as symbols through which to criminalize our work or to turn us into victims in need of rescue. The answer to labor rights violations, sexual assaults, and shit days at work is not criminalization or re-victimization. Putting us in prison or taking away our incomes would not right the wrongs in the stories you're about to read. As Mac and Smith explain in Revolting Prostitutes, quote, In being candid about bad workplace conditions, sex workers fear handing a weapon to political opponents, their complaints about work paradoxically becoming justification to dismiss them as not real workers, unquote. As sex workers, we are taking a big risk by sharing our stories with quote-unquote civilians. Civilian is the in-group term we use to describe non-sex working people. The quote-unquote happy hooker narrative is the one we have typically reserved for civilians, restricting our complaints about bad working conditions to private conversations among ourselves. That happy hooker narrative is one that works in tandem with sex positivity, and it's worked to yoke the sex workers' rights movement to sex-positive formations and third-wave feminism. This is a narrative with which many sex workers are familiar, even beyond the bounds of activist practice, because it's a narrative we use in our advertising to clients. Certainly, there can be a kernel of truth in these fantasy characters, but there must be room in our narratives for the unhappy hooker. The sex worker who chooses to work in the sex industry is compelled by the same economic necessity to work as any other type of worker, but who wants to improve the material conditions of their labor. If we cannot discuss the material conditions of our work, we cannot decrease violence in our industries. If we want to address the problems that sex workers face, we have to stop thinking of sex workers simply as self-directed individuals choosing sex work as a joyful project of selfhood, the sex-positive liberal model, or as victim criminals in need of carceral reform. Sex workers in the United States and in many other places that criminalize sex work live in fear. But those fears might not be the fears that we, in a culture unaccustomed to listening to sex workers, expect to hear. The pimp, the bad date, the good client gone bad, the sleazy producer on the casting room couch, the exploitative strip club manager. Living in a culture in which sex work is vilified, we all know the stories about what goes wrong in the sex industry and which figures perpetrate those harms. You will encounter these figures in the narratives that make up this anthology. Yet there are other fears within the sex industries that you might not hear about if you're a non-sex working person. The leak in the strip club ceiling causing you to twist your ankle and lose a week of wages. The cops. The fetish photographer calling himself a BDSM trainer. The client who tries to slip off a condom. The child welfare court. The fucking cops. The criminal status of many forms of sex work and the stigmatized status of the rest makes it difficult for sex workers to take action to mitigate the harms we experience at work. We try our best to protect each other through community support networks, bad client lists, and sharing best practices to keep us safe from law enforcement. But the state seems hell-bent on passing legislation that keeps us from doing so. But again... We ask you to approach these issues with an open mind. We are not asking for rescue. In this book, we are, as contributor Lina Bemba says, demystifying our industries for ourselves. We are allowing our non-sex working readers to sit with us as we do so across the pages of this collection. But the collection itself is for us. 
We hope that giving voice to our individual experiences as a collective will allow us to heal and to continue our work toward transforming our industries to become safer, saner, and more supportive in the face of the violence we endure. We have come together to collect the personal narrative essays that make up this collection because we, current and former sex workers, are the experts on the working conditions in the sex industries, and yet our voices are often ignored in favor of politicians, celebrities, law enforcement, and NGOs that claim to know what is best for us. As a collective of voices, we can move beyond the Me Too movement and other movements to decrease workplace sexual harassment and violence that do not serve us or value our stories. We can build a movement toward healing by and for sex workers. Implicating anti-sex work feminism and the dehumanization of sex workers, contributor Lorelai Lee explains, quote, I'm angry that I could not talk about violence without fueling descriptions of me as an object written by women claiming to be my allies, unquote. This collection seeks to change those conversations in which sex workers are the objects, not the subjects of their own stories. Listening to the polyvocality of experiences in the sex industries is the first step toward decreasing violence, and that is precisely we too. And that's it for this episode. Thank you for tuning in. You can find me on Discord for feedback. I am at Strumpf, and I will catch you all next time. The game has ended. Bye!